Hi, I'm Rui and welcome to the App Performance Cafe, a podcast focused on mobile app performance. Uh, today I have the pleasure to have as a guest uh, my friend Antonio Pellegrino, so he's the CEO um, and co-founder at Mutable. And Pele will be sharing today his disruptive vision on the um, cloud infrastructure ecosystem and why we are basically today still depending a lot on these hyperscalers, providers for cloud infrastructure. And uh, why is that not enough? And um, in particular, how can we use, and that's, I believe, uh, Mutable's uh, mission, how can we use existing infrastructure from basically um, underutilized servers on uh, existing network operators to basically increase the range of cloud infrastructure that we have access so that we can build applications that provide very low latency and very high bandwidth, which is in particular very, very important for applications like cloud gaming, uh, AR, VR, that kind of scenarios where latency and bandwidth are very critical. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I certainly did. Pele has quite a few interesting views on the ecosystem and provocative thoughts, uh, I shall say. And so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and please don't forget to follow us on the usual podcast platforms and visit performancecafe.codavel.com. Hi, Pele. Thank you so much for being at the App Performance Cafe. It is a pleasure to, to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. No, it's uh, it's uh, very awesome. I've you know, talked with you a bit in the past, but we never really got any in-depth conversation. So this is going to be fun. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, so Pele, uh, Pele is the CEO uh, and co-founder of uh, Mutable. Uh, and I love what you have in your website, which is the Airbnb for, um, for the cloud. Uh, let's close it like that. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you guys are doing? Yeah, yeah. So um, I come from a very interesting background of you know coding quite young and getting it into everything from robotics to wireless charging for cars to streaming video and esports. Um, and going through all those different things, um, I realized that there is an extreme need to run things in the right place um, in order to improve more or less how uh, uh, the next generation of applications can can run. And right now, it seems like all that is, you know, the hyperscalers, the Amazons, the Googles, the Netflixes of the world take some advantage to that. But everyone else seems a little bit out of the dark. Um, so. Uh, I realized through all these different experiences, um, having things like low latency, high security, and you know access to a lot of bandwidth um, is something that we need to move everything forward. So if I could open that up to the public to be able to get access to, um, mission accomplished in my book. Yeah, that's that sounds very very interesting. So I always drop in this question at the beginning, which is. Um, so the podcast topic is about app performance, mm -hmm. uh, but to give the context for, for the reminder of the conversation, I always like asks, why do you think that we should care about mobile app performance? Um, well, app performance is more or less, you know, um, how people use things, right? Like, uh, if you have a bad experience trying to use an application or trying to use a new tool or trying to get advantage of a new technology, 
if if that experience suffers, then so does the success of whatever you're trying to do. Um, because um, without without having, you know, uh, something that seems seamless and that is responsive and that is um, very uh, intuitive and whatever to use, at the end of the day, people won't won't go through that effort um, to, to utilize that product or whatever it may be in service. And it might be the best thing in the world besides those aspects, but that will crumble. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people are getting more and more impatient. So like uh, the user's threshold for waiting for stuff, let's suppose it like that, uh, it's, it's getting shorter and shorter and uh, the payload is getting bigger and bigger. Um, so even with the 5G and, you know, with fiber everywhere, blah, 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 it's still a massive challenge to, to be able to, to respond to those uh, demanding users that just want things to be, feel uh, instantaneous. I think that in the end, that's the goal. And from your perspective, like, what do you think is the role that uh, the cloud has to play in this game? So with respect to ensuring that everyone can access an app, with a very um, non-frustrating non experience. Yeah, I, I think that there isn't a, a clear thought pattern actually from, I would say the vast majority of even how the internet works. Um, and so- oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. And so yes, a lot of this is on cloud providers, um, you know, self-included in order to try and expose uh, infrastructure to make it, you know, tangible for people to use, um, but also comes down to the network providers, right? And and that having a a partnership of how things are placed and access, so that way we can change the dynamics of how the internet works without trying to reinvent it, right? Um, right now, everything is running more centralized, and then you peer into it. And, you know, basically you're talking about sometimes, uh, uh, you know, a thousand miles away, right? Um, and in some cases um, with the internet providers, you can get down as low as, you know, 25 miles or 40 kilometers away, uh, mm -hmm. which is a huge difference. Um, not <laughs> yeah. just in, in distance, but yeah, if you think of the network as kind of like spaghetti, um, and it's all tangled together. Um, uh, it's really hard to make packets um, get to the right place without having a bad experience the further you go. So the more that we can deliver things closer um, and open that up, um, it solves everyone's problem. Yeah, but let's dive into that. So what, what do you see... Um as the biggest problem with respect to network providers. So what, what are you experiencing and uh, what are you seeing in the market that is definitely a big challenge and uh, in particular to ensure proximity being pro physical proximity or ping proximity uh, with respect to network latency? It's closed off, right? They, they are so concerned about security. They're so concerned about their own uptime they're so concerned about all these other aspects that they basically disaggregate um, the compute and the network. Mm -hmm. They're totally different entities in, in their eyes. And what happens 
is that you have to rely more and more on using stuff on device to compensate, right? It's basically like uh, instead of having, you know, two things right next to each other working in tandem, you pur purposely pull things apart and uh, try and optimize them separately when it's more efficient to do it together, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the more and more that they stay in their lane and the cloud providers stay in their lane and they don't try and intertwine, um, we're going to increase costs in order to accomplish a goal that could actually decrease costs that are currently happening today. Yeah, and, and how do you see that happening? So I, I know you believe that Moodle is part of, uh, part of that path, right? But in general, like where, how do you see that happening? How, how can we move towards that direction instead of keeping going on this very um, fragmented way to look at how things that our packets are delivered over the network. So um, I'm pretty sure that everyone sees, you know, everyone staying in their lane as a, as a good thing quite a bit because um, otherwise there'd be fragmentation in orchestration, right? If you want to deploy an application, if you want to do and run things, you know, you're actually going to increase costs if, you know, you try and, you know, spread it everywhere, right? And everyone's, you know, trying to help in their own way. Um, but if the cloud providers are able to work with the cable and telco companies where the cable and telco companies or internet providers can provide the real estate, can sometimes provide the servers, can provide the network, and then the cloud companies can come in with their software for orchestration, um, you know, telling them what to buy and, and where to place it and be able to unify the develop the DevOps experience by having people deploy something once and be able to deploy it anywhere and have that kind of synergy um, where the network and computer kind of combined. That's really where everyone wins, because um, at that point, you get the expertise of the cloud um, with the physical assets and footprint of, of network providers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes total, makes total sense. And this, it's taking me already to talk about um, edge computing, uh, which is one of the, the buzzwords that we keep listening these days, right? Yeah. But yeah. before going into that, can you give us like an idea of how does this problem manifestates for, from the point of view of a, of a single user? Like if me as a user, what do I do not see that is happening? but that is actually jeopardizing my performance. Sure. Um, so from an end user, just trying to use an application, they're at the, the behest of the application developer, right? Whatever they decide to run their things in. If you talk about, let's just say game servers today, mm -hmm. um, they're region-based, right? Usually it's like West Coast, East Coast, and maybe something in the middle, right? And that's yep. it in the US. Um, there is no, hey, look, I'm going to dynamically place something based off of where my, where these gamers are or anything of that nature. It's like I set up this infrastructure. It is what it is. You know, wherever you are, hopefully you're close enough, right? Like in Alaska, we have, a, you know, there's customers that when they play things like uh, Rocket League, one of the games, they're getting 120 ping. Wow. Right? which is like, you can't play a competitive game that way. Like, that's crazy. 
Um, so they're neglected. It's, you know, a million, you know, people or whatever it is completely neglected just in that one instance, but that's multiplied across, right? Um, yeah. While we know that the, the, um, the operators have to have servers to service their own needs in the, in these locations. So how does a user take advantage of that? Um, at the moment, it's completely black box, right? Um, and, and they don't really have that opportunity. Um, but uh, the other aspect is, you know, depending on what internet provider you use, and I you know we're going to jump into edge computing in a bit, but let's say something does happen where there's a magic world where um, some compute provider, we're seeing it right now with AWS and, and Verizon, where they are like, hey, look, we're going to introduce Wavelength. And this allows you to run applications right next to T-Mobile, uh, right next to Verizon. And therefore, Verizon can get access, wireless can get access to, you know, some edge compute. Um, but that's only Verizon. And that's only Verizon wireless. They're not a- attaching that to their wired line. Um, and so if you don't have great service for Verizon, or you go on your home internet or you go into your business internet on Wi-Fi, which 80% of the traffic goes over Wi-Fi, not over wireless, mm-hmm. then your, your application doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's like you, that half measure makes it unattractive for developers to basically, because it is their decision, not the end user at the end of the day. Um, if they don't see that it's ubiquitous enough, that putting in the effort is going to actually multiply what they're doing, then they're not going to do it. Right? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a really big component of, um, you know, uh, trying to make this possible is yeah. having ubiquitous aspect across multiple network providers. Yeah. Just to put a picture, I think uh, here. This is why we see in many cases like you even you're trying to access something, you even have a server in your own city, but due to the fact that you are using some provider, you see your requests going, I don't know, you're in New York, you go back to whatever, Washington, DC, and then it comes to the server that actually sits uh, in New York very close to you. And all of these milliseconds that could be shaved away from the the user experience is actually what's killing uh, killing it in the end. Because as you mentioned, like for for gaming in particular, for those like that are very competitive with respect to gaming, uh, it's uh, unbearable to 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 support this kind of behavior. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, so. Edge computing, right? So w- w- what doors does it bring? But there are two sides here, right? Because still, even with edge computing, uh, we still fall back to having servers in the right locations to be able to serve the relevant population. Uh, but for those locations where you don't have servers, you're gone anyway. So, but, but assuming <laughs> assuming that we can uh, do a wide range of uh, deployments with respect to providing edge computing capabilities for places like Alaska or the Midwest, what do you see as the biggest potential for app developers? What can they do to actually benefit from it? And what's, from your opinion, what's left out? So what's still to be solved for for these guys? Yeah. Um, The way I like to define edge computing might be actually different than most. Um, Edge computing in my book 
is resources that can be orchestrated in an automatic way, right? Mm -hmm. It's one thing to say I have on-premise and this is Edge. It's another thing to say I'm on device and this is Edge. It is another thing to say, hey, look, I put some servers under a tower, it's an Edge. In reality, if you can't automate it remotely and provision things as needed, then that's not really an Edge, it's on-premise or it's on-device or it's on nope. Um, So with that in mind, um, things that app developers could take advantage of um, is, is kind of really, um, when we look at cloud providers today, um, you, have, you have costs re regarding the storage, but is it that much? Not mm -hmm. really, right? You have costs re re uh, related to compute. Um, is that much? Depends on what you're doing. If you're just moving packets around, not really. So where is a lot of the cost come in, depending on your use case, if you're talking about next gen stuff where you're trying to offload phones or we have headsets or we have all these type of things where you're trying to make the smarts and move it off of a device to make it cheaper and move it somewhere else, mm -hmm. um, that's bandwidth, right? Bandwidth is a huge cost factor. Um, and, you know, let's say you're doing cloud gaming, which don't get me wrong, it's not something that's really totally mainstream. It's getting there though. Um, cloud yeah. VR as well. Um, and from the bandwidth doing... standpoint, it will definitely be still growing much faster than other, uh, other verticals. And, and even uh, video analytics, where you're basically taking cameras from calls like this or from, you know, things that are currently considered just, you know, DVR cameras or whatever it is that are out in the field um, and then doing video analytics on it. Um, those type of things, uh, control systems where you're constantly getting data from IoT and being able to put it back out, even, you know, doing, um, uh, you know, just caching of things. I, I had a very interesting conversation just recently um, where we were uh, talking about a company who does um, uh, uh, fetal monitors, right? So okay. like being able to monitor the health of whatever. Don't get me wrong, those servers are, you know, you know, close by to whatever that is, but they would try to do an OS update and it wouldn't work because <laughs> just downloading three gigabytes across all these devices would not go over this wire. <laughs> We're talking about, you know, security problems, whatever you need to update in OS, like that's simple stuff, right? Like throw a proxy, create whatever, you know, download it ahead of time. And that's where things like, you know, um, edge computing, um, can really take effect that really doesn't need to reinvent a whole nother application to take advantage of it. There are things like DNS and CDN and, you know, the basics of streaming things like WebRTC that all kind of need this today um, mm -hmm. just to get the basics because the basics, if you're in a major city, you assume that everything works great. Um, but you step out of that world and that's not the case. Yep. Right. And, and that's a huge neglected population that um, really, really needs to take advantage of, of this too. It's like, for example, um, um, you have websites in your, on your phone, right? And for the longest time, it was a mobile site, right? Mm -hmm. Like legit, you create a separate duplicate of your website solely for mobile, Right. Because, and you do it for the worst mobile experience in terms of networking because you expected it not to be there, 
right? And that's kind of like the default statement. You plan for the worst. And the result is that the customer gets the worst experience because you purposely <laughs> did that. So that way you can make it work, but not really make it the best, right? Um, and nowadays, right, internet is, is quick enough to actually make a mobile first site, as they call it. So that way you're building everything towards that and, and it, making that experience and making it more progressive. But that mentality needs to be for everything, right? Yep. How do we make it so that way we treat the network is reliable, that there is enough resources to do massive bandwidth, you know, low latency and whatever, and in that case, be able to um, uh, make what we've been dreaming of for the past 20 years a reality that really has been experiments for the most part, you know, from VR to, you know, um, um, uh, cloud gaming to even just displays and trying to make them improve with higher quality video. It's all been an experiment. And, and um, that's where I see edge computing playing in to try and finally unlock those things at scale. And what do you think is left out? So what, what do you think that even after all, we take all these steps um, yeah. will still be a challenge for anyone who is trying to, to build something for that? Specifically, I, I'm thinking about for the new use cases that we are seeing like AR, VR, um, and that IoT. What, what do you think is left out uh, even after all of that? What is left out? Um, technologically, I don't think anything would get left out. I think the reality is, is it's going to be a long road to get to where we need because of not technology, but behavior. Okay. The reason why this is going to take so long is not that the servers can't be there or that they already are there. It's the fact that they aren't allowed to be used for other purposes, right? Um, it is the, the, the policies that are currently in place, not because of there's technological reasons why these things are in place, just because they were set a while ago and they don't know how to change them, right? From the cable and telco side or from the cloud side being too greedy, and wanting to run everything in their own data centers that are centralized because they spent billions of dollars making them in the first place, right? So I think there's going to be this idea of um, uh, behavioral issues in terms of risk, security, trying to keep their piece of the pie and not thinking about making it bigger instead um, that is going to drive um, uh, this to take longer than it needs to be to, to uh, uh, move forward. So the things that are going to be left behind are companies that aren't acting towards trying to make this possible and being part of it early. Um, because if they're late, the other companies will already acquire those customers and pull them over when the time comes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's actually I share the same view. Like uh, on even on on the case that we are working on at Godovel, uh, which is different. Although it relies a lot on on uh, on the cloud, it's a different angle. But we we still see the same kind of behavior. So things move way too slow um, to be actually be able to actually cope with uh, with 
whatever the market market and the user is demanding in terms of, of experience. So before jumping into the last question, uh, I want to put you on the spot. So how will Mutable help us out getting that scale and changing that mentality and changing those behaviors? So how will you guys um, be able to help out speed up this process, let's say? So sometimes um, the the best person to um, improve on something is someone who's outside of the 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 worldview of of these individuals, right? So if I come from a cloud company that is really big, that has lots of money, that already has customers demanding certain things, um, uh, having legacy products, there are some things you just can't ship. Right. It's just that's just mentality. For example, the reliance on IP4 or the reliance on, you know, um, way certain things are built or so on and so forth. On the other side, the cable and telco companies um, are so risk adverse. Their networks are not automated as much as they they should be. And um, they have a perceived value where you know, they have the physical assets, they have whatever, but they don't necessarily have any of the software expertise to make it um, usable. And the way that they think about reliability is they think of it in terms of like six nines, right? Or more in terms of like reliability. And the reality is for cloud, that's not the case. Right? Um, yeah. So um, having someone who can start fresh, doesn't have to have those same concerns on either side to try and benefit the stakeholders who already have the assets in place, meaning the servers, the locations and whatever. Um, and, you know, bringing in the software um, and the customers, that ecosystem and sees that higher view um, is the real value, right? I can mm -hmm. talk about technology all until I'm blue in the face, but everyone can rebuild technology. So I'm not, you know, it's more about how you basically go down to each one of their levels and try and figure out where is the missing gap and how we can help fill it. And what we realized during this time is if you can propose and show that you can bring customers that actually want that, which as you say, is already there, mm -hmm. um, and then be able to bring the software and show that it's real on assets that are owned by them, and connect those dots, then the public will now have access to something that has been locked up for so long. And that's really where, where what we're trying to do at Mutable and myself are really going after. Yeah, that's super exciting. Like uh, from my, our experience, like we have seen, um, we wanted to have way many more points of presence than what we have today. We know that there is the capacity there, but um, as you just said, it's just locked uh, because it's people are too, too, or the providers are very risk averse. They don't have the technology, they don't have the time, and they don't know how to actually monetize uh, these infrastructures that they are just sitting there, right, waiting for being used. Um, and this is why I love like the vision that you, you just share and what you guys are doing at Mutable because it all boils down to using as many resources as we have available to the maximum efficient efficiency possible uh, instead of just you know 
building more and more and more and centralizing everything and uh, all boiling down to big giants owning everything and then controlling everything, which is the, the second <laughs> part of that evolution. Um, yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. Like I used to, in you know, being a developer, say, hey, look, let's, you know, Amazon, 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 Amazon. If I can give, if I can, if they can get bigger, if they can get more resources, then I can get access to more, right? Yeah. And it was always like, you know, the more that they succeed, the better until I started seeing that they become so big, they're trying to stifle innovation as legacy companies do to support themselves, right? I can't blame them. That is, you know, how that works. But once you get to a certain size, you become more protectionist, right, mm -hmm. uh, of your position than anything else. Absolutely. Uh, and so that's the, the thing that I realized that if we just keep on giving more and more and more to them, um, that speed that we saw them rise up with won't continue. We need, we need new blood in there. Yeah, yeah. New players, new blood, new approaches, which, as you mentioned, like the, the willingness for those kind of risks as you get bigger and bigger is naturally uh, gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's, I think it's a natural path for, for, for this industry. Pele, thank you so much. Like I, I, I love, I love the way you look at this, um, the cloud industry and the networking industry uh, as a whole. Uh, but before we go, I always like to, to pose uh, a question or an exercise, which is, uh, let's say you're on an elevator with someone that you know that is starting to build a mobile application or already has one, and you have 30 seconds to give him uh, or her the best advice possible with respect to how to ensure that the app is super uh, performant. What would you say to this person? Um, I guess a, a quick answer um, that's quite generic uh, would be to leverage as many resources as possible. Uh, a good example of that would be a multi-CDN, right? Mm -hmm. Where essentially you're saying, hey, look, instead of just relying on one, uh, multiplex yourself out. Um, so that way, whoever is closest to provides the best resources gets the money. Right? Um, yep. The other thing that I, I would uh, suggest is, um, you know, there are other compute resources out there than the current cloud providers. There's companies like Equinix Metal. There's things like, um, you know, smaller companies like High Velocity and so on and so forth that you can also use in order to multiplex what you're doing. Uh, if it's compute side or hosting your own stuff, that's way cheaper than just having everything on the cloud. So think of something more holistic and not always just get everything up and running. But once you get everything up and running, start figuring out ways to try and um, distribute yourself as much as you can. Yep. Totally subscribe that. Pele, thank you so much. Uh, it was such a pleasure to, to have you on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening uh, and follow us on the usual uh, podcast platforms. See you next week.